The reviews are in and Secrets is a hit. Listeners have described Secrets as priceless information, a personal cheat sheet, and binge-worthy career advice. And season three promises to bring you even more secrets on how to advocate for yourself, how to become a better ally, and how to get that coin. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, put in that work to reach the top of corporate America. And this groundbreaking podcast challenges you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. KP and PR will bring you more tips and tricks on how to advance in your career. So fill up those cups and welcome to season three. Hey everybody, welcome to Secrets. We're glad to have you today. Ricky, what's going on, my brother? Hey, Keith, I'm feeling a little reflective today as I'm thinking about a recent conversation I had during an executive coaching session with someone. This individual is an absolute top performer and definitely destined for stardom in corporate America. However, as a BIPOC leader, they're growing more and more concerned about sacrificing their authenticity for entrance into the boardroom. Okay. Now we have spoken openly about this dilemma in past episodes, but KP, this is a real concern for many of us, man. Yeah, Ricky, you're absolutely right about this being a dilemma for BIPOC leaders. In fact, you know, this is near and dear to me as I often coach our listeners on what it means to become an authentic thought leader while also finding your voice at the end of the day. And in episode 17 of our podcast, we talked about how to be your authentic self. And it was one of the toughest things, and it is one of the toughest things for underrepresented employees to navigate while climbing the corporate ladder. And you know what, Keith, and that's actually like a bit of an understatement. Uh, When we speak about how tough it is to navigate the waters of authenticity and still get to the top unscathed. Yeah, unscarred. Yeah, that's bruises and whatnot. Just thinking about some of the mistakes that you and I made on our individual journeys and even the do's and don'ts, you know, that we've witnessed with other individuals in their quest to get to the top. Again, look, man, this is a part of the self-discovery process that can be painful, yes. okay? Because it didn't feel good nope. when we're going through it, but it has to take place in your ability for self-discovery and being able to find your authentic leadership style. Yeah, no doubt. And today we're excited to have another C-suite leader with us today, Mr. Gary Cunningham. And like our esteemed Mr. Robinson over here, Gary is a chief HR officer And he's decided some time ago that in order to reach the C-suite, he had to be real. He had to keep it 100. (laughs) So, Gary, we are so excited to have you here with us today on Seekers. Welcome to Seekers, my friend. Hey, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a nice welcome you guys have given. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. So, look, so welcome, Gary. And I remember... The three of us met a few years ago at a networking event. Now, remember, we talked about how important networking was and everything else. You know what I mean? But we met at a networking event, and we're all trying to chase the same dreams in terms of being leaders on the largest stages, you know, that we could in corporate America. We often shared some of the struggles that we've experienced on our journeys. But I remember a key conversation that you and I had within the last few months now, look, we was talking, okay? We, yeah. we, we was talking, okay? And I remember where you told uh-huh. me how important it was to be authentically me and be intentional about making my next career move. And since we are talking, okay, brother, you were the person that recommended me 
for the role that I actually have today. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's why all that yeah. is important. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I always think of it like this, you know, in life, we're all on this walk and we got to try to connect with as many good people as possible. And so, you know, when I met you guys, we had some laughs almost like instantaneously. And it was just a fun night. I was like, these cool people, you know, and I had just moved to the Bay Area. So. Mm -hmm. And he's keeping a PG for y'all, right? Because we was talking, right? We really was having a, a good time. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely grateful. But in this episode today, we will talk with Gary about his path to the top, his sponsorship journey, and some of the challenges and triumphs that he faced while he was climbing to the top. We'll also discuss what it's like as a Black leader driving and co-creating organizational culture and leadership development in this tough time, you know, all with all of the social unrest and whatnot. We'll provide some receipts on why being authentic really, really matters. Mm. And finally, we'll close out, as we always do, with secrets from Gary on how you can be more authentic and work without wrecking your career. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun episode today here. So, Gary, again, welcome. Thanks for being on Secrets. Thank you. And we always like to start out our interviews and our podcast by giving our listeners a Mm -hmm. sneak peek into who they're actually talking to. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your story? What was life like before you hit the big time? Yeah, the big time. You know, it's it's funny that you say that. It doesn't feel like the big time when you're working a hundred hour week, you know, (laughs) but here's what I would say. My hourly rate is apparently very small just based on that. And so I would say, you know, you get what you pay for. (laughs) So I am originally from the South. I'm very happy to share that with people. You know, there's a certain way we go about life. And I appreciate that more and more as I get older. So I'm originally from the South, was born in Houston, lived in Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Texas, all of them, all all of them. Oh, so when, I, when people say, where are you from? I just say the South. The South. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, exactly. All over it, all over it. And then somehow made my way to the Midwest and lived in Chicago for the last 18 years or so. And then I would say, you know, during that time, I spent a good amount of, of my work life in Europe. So I was uh, the global head of HR for Swiss uh, technology conglomerate located in Liechtenstein. Now, I don't know if you know Liechtenstein, but it's a principality outside of Switzerland. And let me tell you, it is, how shall I say, I think I was the only brown person in the whole principality. (laughs) So, you know, that came with an own set of interesting uh, sort of quirks and twists, but all which we were able to navigate and get to the point where we're living in the Bay Area. I moved here because I did want a different uh, lifestyle. I wanted to stop traveling, you know, 324 days a year out of the country. I wanted to get off an airplane because I was traveling 400,000 miles a year. I mean, you know, it wasn't much of a life. And I didn't realize that until I stopped working. And you probably didn't want to be the only. <laughs> you know, that, that shit That's right true. there probably That's got true. tiring. Well, look, you imagine sitting around a boardroom table in Liechtenstein as the first Black, the first American ever to sit on the executive team, and everybody there is white and Swiss or German. And they are not used to speaking English. They can. They can speak multiple languages, in fact, but they choose not to speak English. So, you know, me coming in saying, hey, hey, I don't know any of those languages. (laughs) I'm American. But here's what I know. Our official language is English. So that means when we're doing official business, 
we can speak English to one another. Now, look, that was just a small example of inclusivity, right? So for me, in this case, because they didn't anticipate what I needed in order to make me feel safe and like I was in a welcome place, it was really important for me to pour into that Hey, let me be clear with you. Let me tell you what my authentic self needs. I need for you to please conduct yourself with me this way. You know, so it, it is a lot about setting boundaries in order to, I think, show up as who you are in the workplace. It's a struggle, like you guys already mentioned. But once you get there, it's such a great place to be. And uh, if you own it, you realize it's the uniqueness of who we are that actually connects with people. Got it. So look, man, as Keith and I know, being a brother in corporate America is hard enough. It comes with its own set of challenges. But climbing that ladder is like a journey, right? And I mean, it's it's almost like a few journeys within the journey, you know, to mm-hmm. be honest with mm-hmm. you, right? Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the difficult moments you faced and what you did to overcome those difficulties? Mm. Mm. Wow, that, uh, (laughs) you know, usually when I'm talking about my uh, career, my history, my background, you know, you have a tendency to want to pull out the good stuff, right? The stuff that makes you feel good. (laughs) We all know that the journey is not always easy. And I can tell you that has been the case. But, you know, it also, I'll just put this out there, too. It's one of the reasons why I do believe that people should be the ultimate investment when it comes to corporate America, because they really do drive everything. What immediately came to mind is this senior leadership trip that I was on, and it was, uh, we had an offsite in Sweden, in Stockholm. And the first night, you know, it were just this group of executives from around the world, we're on the boat, CEOs giving a little speech, we do a little toast. He and I start to talk and have a little conversation right there on the deck of the boat. Beautiful night. The lake was absolutely stunning. We had had some good conversation, some good wine. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? Do people in America still call you nigger? <laughs> I done fell out. I done fell out. Get me <laughs> off the floor, yeah, right? I got you, Keith. I got you. I got you, brother. I got you. So look, so this is this, this a real question. But, but this is a real, like, this is a real question. You're in the moment. Like, you don't have time to show your ass. You got to, like, kind of, like, compose yourself Mm -hmm. because he's asking, in your mind, you don't know if this is a real educational question or is he being ignorant, right? So you got to, like, this is the in-game decision right here. This could, like, really, this could really navigate your career. So now give us the punchline, Gary. (laughs) There was no punchline, you know. (laughs) I got to tell you, I, I still to this day have two minds about it because, you know, in any of those situations, this certainly being one of them, there's a choice that you have to make. Am I going to fight or am I going to, you know, flee? And I said, OK, I'm going to fight, but I'm going to fight not with him. I'm going to fight with me. Right. So he asked the question. And then I said, given this man the benefit of doubt. Because I have no, re- I mean, yeah. I have no reason. To you have no history with else. it, right? Yeah. I have to assume it's a legitimate question, and I said, in fact, no. That's a very derogatory term that nobody uses. It's actually impolite to use it. So you know, it's a relic from a time gone by, right? And I sort of told him, like, yeah, it's, it's. I didn't go in at him about what he said or how he said it. I assume the best, but in that, he took away, I think, an understanding because I did tell him, hey, you know what? If I were you, I wouldn't actually say that ever again. Ever. You know? <laughs> we don't know each other, but I would tell you, never say that ever again, okay? 
And, you know, and I said, and we had a beautiful time after that. But that was me making the decision. I can either go in on this man like I want to and just rip his ass to shreds or I can be like, you know what? I'm going to shy away from this because this is the global CEO and we're standing here having champagne on a boat. So how do I combine what's the middle ground for how I want to show up like me, a man who's confident, who's proud, who knows what he knows, which is how he got to where he is. Do I want to own that? honor that and then I want to sort of engage this person, but let me engage this person not in a confrontational way. Let me engage this person with some empathy and some compassion. And so that's what I did. And that's how we navigated the moment. But I will say that I'm still two minds about it. Uh, I'm still two minds about it to this very day. And I think about that moment often. In some ways, I think about it really in terms of, yes, Gary, that's what you decided to do in the moment. And maybe that was self-preservation for me. But am I dishonoring my ancestors by not being outraged at that. And so, you know, these are the kind of things I've just been circling in my head. And that was years ago. I'm just saying that I'm still of two minds about uh, whether I approached it the right way, but that's how I did do it. Man, so Gary, look, I mean, I just want to like pause for our listeners right here. Do y'all understand why Gary is on secrets right now? Do y'all understand why me and Keith ended up talking to this man like outside of the conference hours where we actually met? That's why we cool today, because this brother, this is a foundational moment within his career where he was able to find his authenticity. The bubble in his mind probably says something different, you know, mm-hmm. but his actual physical reaction was different. And because of that, that was a part of the muscle that he built Mm -hmm. to be able to deal with some of these turbulent, you know, times. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, you know, Ricky and I talked quite a bit about sponsorship versus mentorship. It's really the sponsorship Mm because we all know that we don't get to the executive level by without somebody advocating for you, opening that door for you. Can you talk a little bit about what sponsorship looked like for you and how it helped your career? I absolutely can. And I can tell you, I'm a a lifelong learner. I enjoy the process. You know, it may be the reason why my first group of uh, sponsors were teachers, you know, Miss Grady when I was in third grade, Miss Barker in eighth grade chemistry, you know, Mrs. Lopez in AP biology, you know, those people. Yeah. I mean, it's funny as you say this, because yeah. didn't you say that like a bunch of teachers influenced you too oh, when absolutely. you was coming up? Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's a connection point. This is why, I, you know, I go to bat for teachers any day. They really do shape a young person's life in a way that is can just be, it can go in an unimaginable number of ways. And so those are some of my early sponsors. In corporate America, it always came from the strangest place, meaning, you know, I would seek it out, actively seek it out in one direction, like, oh, this, this person and I laugh, uh, this person's going to be a good mentor. I can relate to this person a little bit in that way. Or, you know, this person, wow, they have the better career. They have the better, you know, pedigree. I should hang out with this person more. So I might be pointed in one direction, but what actually comes to me is someone who, you know, just approaches me in a friendly way. And we have a very easy way of connecting. And I think there's always wisdom in a lot of things. You know, it doesn't have to just come from one place. So I think there's wisdom to be gained from any interaction. And with that, what I would say, you know, is... 
It came from some of the most unpredictable places. For example, when I first joined the Swiss conglomerate that I was talking about a few minutes earlier, you know, I joined as this Black guy who was coming from the city. You know, it was the American sort of uh, U.S. headquarters for this global business. And, you know, it was manufacturing. It was industrial. So needless to say, people weren't, you know, you go too far in the organization. It started to get a little crazy real fast. It could, uh, is all I'm saying. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it was this guy who was from Liechtenstein, who was the senior vice president of Asia and Americas. So he had a huge responsibility. But because he, the country manager in the U.S., had just left, he fired him. He was stepping in just by chance, you know, to fill that gap until he hired somebody new. In that time, he was my boss. He hired me. Mm. So that was just the lucky part. That was just the lucky part. At that time, what it gave me was access at much higher levels in the organization Mm. in places that I couldn't even imagine. So I would say within my first four months of working there, he said, hey, you know what? I like what you're doing with HR. I don't know what you're doing, but I like it. You know, <laughs> Can you take over IT for the Americas and do the same thing? I said, what? I, I can do it, but I'm not sure. I, I don't do IT. He said, yeah, but didn't you work for an IT uh, company like before? I was like, yeah, for like seven years, but I don't do IT. He's like, well, you know more than I do. So now I got IT. Yeah. Even four months, four months later, he comes into me. He says, you know what? Business excellence is not working the way that it should. I need you to take over this. I need you to own all the quality stuff. Can you just make it right? Okay, did that. And then finance came, then marketing came. Next thing you know, I'm chief operating officer. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't shy away from any of that responsibility because mm-hmm. I knew what that man was doing for me. Yeah, And I'd use that to literally get into a room that no American, no Black person, certainly no openly gay brother from the South, okay, mm-hmm. has been in. So because of him, it gave me the confidence that I could do more than what I knew I could do. And he let me own it. And he never came to me with any complaints unless he was like saying, I'm giving you an opportunity. <laughs> let me tell you how you should go about this. I get what you're trying to do, but let me just tell you what you need to do, right? So he was just that honest with me. This, uh, you know, tall, skinny, Lichtensteinian dude, you know, who was like, you know, maybe, I would say maybe like one year older than me. Mm-hmm. So we connected just on a human level and, you know, I got to know his family and he was, as a result, not only one of the best sponsors that came from out of absolutely nowhere, but he was actually, uh, I would say, my favorite boss. So I'm going to give him a shout out for that if he's listening. Hey, no, yes. hey, but look, man, yes. we absolutely <laughs> appreciate that story. We appreciate the honesty. And I think that, you know, there's so many gems that you dropped in there that our listeners will absolutely, you know, be able to take something from. I mean, I think about all of the conversations we've had, you know, along the side, you know what I mean? And I think some of the things as we're talking about our own careers, there's a lot, you know, to kind of, for somebody to be able to latch on to. So look, you and I, and again, I know me and Keith are kind of cheating because we know you. Okay. (laughs) So we know you, but when did you decide that you needed to bring your Gary realness, yeah. you know, like to the table. And, yeah. and how did that change the trajectory of your career? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's something that I've thought about many times. It's a complicated answer that's formulating in my head. So, 
you might have to bring me back the question. No, we all right. We're going to listen to you, brother. No, we're going to listen to you, brother. It's meaty. It's got some weight on it. I want to chew on it for a minute. Yeah, so I would say that it wasn't as early in my professional life as one might imagine. I think I've, I've faked it a lot in the beginning. I didn't know what the hell to do. I didn't know how to be a professional in corporate America. I didn't know how to be the only black amongst uh, a bunch of white folks in corporate America. I didn't know how you're supposed to act as an, a new employee, first time ever working, and how you're supposed to interact with your boss. So, you know, it was not easy in the beginning. But one of the things that I, I did pride myself on is being able to learn, like not only learn from what I'm doing, but observe people, learn from how they interact learn for what works, what doesn't work. And I, I got really good at what us HR folks might know as organizational savvy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, that's what I call it. So I could navigate in and out of relationships. There was a part of me that was super mindful of, you know, my ambition and that I was being very strategic and targeted in who I was choosing to learn from and what I was able to observe and comment on. And I just realized that there's an honesty in knowing something like that about yourself and then making the decision to share it with other people like I am today. And what I can say is, yeah, I go into any situation and I'm very happy to be, you know, a top executive who tells people, hey, I can't take a call for the next hour because I have I'm in therapy or, you know, hey, look, my partner just came upstairs and I got to go because it's date night and we don't miss date night and I don't work during date night, okay? <laughs> right so on. I got to go. I'm going to let you go. What I'm just highlighting is those things are authentically me. That's my real life. And if I don't tell people those are my boundaries and you can't cross them, I'm not being authentic. I don't feel good about how I'm showing up. And they certainly, as Maya Angelou would say, because people, uh, you teach people how to treat you, they certainly would not know how to treat you. So I established real easy. I do not work on weekends. And how do you know that? Because you can message me, text me, email me, and I will not respond until Monday. <laughs> and so, you know what? If, if it's bleeding or, you know, it's on fire, then okay. But if that's the case, it can wait. So that's one. And I would say it's hard to do that as a person of color because you don't want to take any hit that might sort of damage what you're aspiring to do or make people perceive that, hey, he's not fully invested. But what I do to counter that, and I think it's really important, is I show up my, as my authentic self. If there are things about that that people connect with, and there are things about that that people don't connect with, but I can tell you what it is, it is always me. And as long as I'm hanging out in that lane, my life experiences have taught me that it's going to work out. It's going to work out. And so I choose based on, you know, just sort of the experiences of being with me my whole life. I know I can work through some shit. Okay? <laughs> so if there's a problem, I can figure it out. That's what I'm going to tell you in yeah. the streets and in the boardroom. That's just who I am. That's how my mama raised me. So, Man, I, I, so I, I, I would say owning that changed the trajectory of my career. And I was a badass. <laughs> hey, look, hey, look, look. Wait, wait. Hush your mouth. So I, I'm going to say this to y'all. I keep coming back to, you know, the secrets community is a family. It's a village. So y'all see why Gary in the village? <laughs> Gary, Gary ain't got no temporary visa, y'all. 
Gary shit good. <laughs> Gary in here. Gary in here, man. He's good. Man. This right here, this Uncle Gary, y'all. Uncle this Gary. cousin, Uncle Gary to some cousin Gary to, to some others, brother Gary. You from, know what I'm saying? From Alabama, Mississippi, yeah, yeah, and Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can call Gary and he'll know what a cornbread is. That's right. You call Gary, he know what hot water cornbread oh, he is. He definitely know. <laughs> yeah. You know you don't put no raisins right. in the potato salad. Yeah, you don't do that. He, he know that. You don't do that. Yeah, either. yeah, he know that. Oh, man, y'all are That's right. And they don't even call him Gary. They say Gary and them. Y'all talk yeah, to Gary yeah, and them. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, who is that and them? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> y'all know all secrets. We're just a family discussion. So y'all know we can go down a, a rabbit hole. But Keith, I know you got a no, question you want to ask Gary. I know no, you got good. a question you want But that ask. last little piece resonated with me, Gary, because again, like you, first generation corporate America, black, gay, you know, the whole, the whole nine. Right. And I know deciding to come out for me was a career changer as well. You know, all of a sudden it was like, I felt the freedom, the burden was lifted, you know, and that really enabled me to become a better leader when I leaned into who I really was at the end of the day. And Ricky had mentioned earlier that, you know, the advice that you gave him about being authentic as he was going through his search and his process was really helpful for him. So why do you think it was important advice that you gave Ricky about being authentic and, you know, being who you are, you know, why is all of that so important? And our listeners really need to understand that and lean into it if they really want to be a real, real true leader. So, wow. Man, y'all get deep on this show. We do. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we play it. And just to let everybody know, I called Gary and Gary said, look, brother, I'm moving right now. So, uh, so, so I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have no textbook answers. Okay. But I'm going to tell you what it is. Now, either you want to hear the truth, you know what I'm saying? Or you can go look this up on in there. But exactly. you, you called me for a reason. You called me for a reason. Yeah, yeah. That's and Gary, that's right. Secrets in them don't be playing. <laughs> Yeah. So again, so Gary, oh, so tell us uh, in terms of that intentionality, like yeah. with my search, when you and I talked about why yeah. was like this so so important in terms of the advice yeah. that you were giving me? Yeah. So you know what? I remember when I first learned what coaching was, like you know, professional coaching. I was like, man, that's mystifying. What is that about? <laughs> that sounds cool. So you know, start working in HR more and more, getting you know, progressing through my career. I'm coaching left and right. Mm-hmm. You know? And not really knowing if I'm doing that correctly or not. I mean, I'm having an impact because I'm progressing through my career, you know, sort of big picture. I'm not, you know, leaving any dead bodies behind me. So <laughs> as far as I know. So, you know, in choosing to study coaching, because I wasn't sure if I was doing it right for all these years, uh-huh. I wanted to learn a, a formal methodology. And I did that. And I think that you know, I, I think about when people come to me or I'm uh, and we're exchanging ideas and giving feedback in a prof- about work or, you know, something professional, I naturally want to tell a story. I want to pull my experience. I want to pull from my past because I've had a lot of different experiences. So that's how I make it authentic. And I, and I just really am listening and I'm trying to catch what's the essence of what this person is saying to me. I mean, that requires me to be engaged. That requires me to be curious. That requires me to be actively listening, which I was. And so what I felt that you needed to hear, both in my gut and my heart, I and mean, certainly then went to my head and I said, 
what I said, because that's what I felt like you needed to hear. And that's what I could pull from my own experiences. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Amazing. Yes. Ooh. Well, it worked because it got to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And look here. Look here, Ricky. Ricky, full disclosure. Said executive search firm that placed you sent me a nice gift certificate, <laughs> nice dinner, a nice gift card. $250. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to find a way to enjoy that together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're going to find a way to enjoy that's that. Bad. That's yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's gold already. That's gold. <laughs> so, look, so look, Gary, man. And look, I am supremely like appreciative, man, and whatnot. But I want to kind of switch gears just a little bit, you know, here. Let's talk about leading in these tumultuous times, right? And I know you're on the forefront of a lot of, you know, social issues and whatnot for your company. I mean, I can always call you and get your opinion on something and definitely get, like you talked about, you know, you having like a different approach or opinion on things. I can get that, you know, from you. And as a CHRO, we have had to deal with so much and so many challenges over the past two years, racial hate, unrest, the COVID pandemic, climate change interruptions, like anything you can kind of think of, right? How has all of this impacted your role as a CHRO? And how have you been able to advise leaders on their needs to be better and do better, you know, during these times? Wow, that's a great question. Let's see, how how basic should I go with this? So here's the thing that I learned very early in my career. And there was a time where I would have been ashamed to admit this, but my very first job, I got fired from. Mm-hmm. After being there for 11 months, I was I was fired. But let me ask this question. Like, this ain't like no Friday situation. You didn't get fired on your day off, did you? <laughs> no, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't write, uh, writing hot checks, Ricky. Yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't catch you stealing boxes on your day off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, what happened was, I was actually looking for another job. A recruiter had contacted me and left a message on my work phone. And I had gone out for the day. And this man was checking out voicemail when we were in the office. Who the fuck knew That's that? Wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> out the gate. So the next morning I come in because I listened to the voicemail message and I could tell that it had been played. So I was like, oh, shit. Pat must know. He was the owner. Anyway, so he fired me for that reason. So nothing mm. fraudulent. But you know what? Those crucible moments, um, and you alluded to this at the top of the show, those crucible moments are what sort of force you to deal with who am I in this situation? How do I want to show up? In doing that, you make choices. And for me, leading through all of these changes, all this tumultuousness, I think that's going to be the norm. That's the point that I'm trying to get to is that that is the norm. Change is the norm. And so if you can learn to navigate that, which something like a termination at a very young age, and by the way, that wasn't the only time I was terminated. I've been terminated. Well, if you count layoffs, shit, maybe three or four times, but I'm going to tell you what I do. I learn from how could I have done differently? What would have put me in a different scenario? Let's just explore that. Let's just do a lesson learned on that. And once you learn the lesson, that is valuable education because brother going to get 30 to 40 percent increase on the base. The bonus going to get doubled and the sign on going to make you make you cry. You over here giving them secrets. I'm just telling you, yeah, yeah. Look, I ain't learning from my health. 
but brother don't get paid. Yeah, yeah. So all I got to say is those are really, really valuable lessons to learn how to navigate that change. Force yourself to sit with yourself and say, how am I feeling? Those feelings, what are, what thoughts am I having that are derived from those feelings? Because that's where you're going to get motivation to take action. It always works like that, right? Right. You have a feeling, you have a thought, you act on it. Great. So at the end of the day, I do think that it's really important. A lot of change forces you, if you sit with it and examine yourself, it forces you to learn something new or think something different. And rather than pushing those experiences in my professional career away, I grab them and I squeeze them and I'd like wring them out and I'm like, hold it up to the light and look at it. I want to see what is there. (laughs) If you do that, then you become very much a student of change and you realize rather than fighting the flow, you can go with the flow and you could probably get a lot more shit done. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so I think navigating last summer, navigating all the, the happenings that have been going on around us, global pandemic, all of these things. Uh, if you're in California like us, wildfires and mudslides. I mean, like, give me a break. Who trying to navigate all of that while they're just trying to go to work? So work from home is a blessing, y'all. It is a blessing, okay? Okay, you're less likely to get caught in an earthquake and smashed by a freeway. No, I'm being morbid. What I would say is uh, navigating those changes I think it really highlighted that at the core of what we're doing in business, at the core is people. We've always known that. We've always known that, but nothing like a global pandemic and the fact that your business will fold if people don't come to it. Yeah. The fact that if people don't show up for work because they did, you have no one to serve or to uh, your customers. Like it just puts such a focus on people. Oh, by the way, all of you've been trying to spread out and get away from each other for all these decades as society has been flourishing. We're going to put y'all in a box. And if you were like me at Market and Dolores in San Francisco in my $6,000 a month apartment, I was living in 840 square feet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you what, COVID and that situation, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. That would have drove me crazy. So I was smart enough to learn, and I know myself well enough to know that. So guess what? Switched to a month-to-month lease, got out of that, (laughs) moved to Venice Beach, where I could have some wide-open spaces, where I could be in touch with the sun, and hear birds. Yeah, yeah. It's important to look at yourself and see what you need and give yourself what you need. And for me, at the end of the day, if you're doing that for yourself and navigating change, no matter what it is, you're being true to yourself, right? You're being a person of character, which is really, really important for me. Mm -hmm. My values guide me everywhere I go. And I believe in them. I'm rooted in them. I am unflappable. But, you know, all of that stuff, change, you know, how you look at yourself in terms of how you show up and what's the difference between what you want to be doing. And, you know, having good people around you and remember that if you are, if you're being true to yourself, then you're going to make it comfortable and safe for other people to be true to themselves. And then, wow, stand back because now you're having an authentic dialogue. People are connecting on the most basic level, human the human level, right? And we're realizing we have a lot of things in common. So I think COVID and all of this craziness, the great resignation, as people call it. And let me tell you about the great resignation. Let me just take this uh, detour for a minute. Mm -hmm. Here's what I say when people say, hey, Gary, what do you think? What should we do about the great resignation? I was like, you can't do shit about it. You (laughs) it. You, You should enjoy it. You know why you should enjoy it? 
because y'all been paying stagnant wages for years and you've been taking the EBITDA to the bank. <laughs> Guess what? The people coming and they got tiki torches and they want their money. Ben. Here's what you're going to need to do with the great resignation. You're going to have to pay people what they're worth. Ooh. Look, 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 Gary being authentic. I'm telling y'all, this Drop. ain't by accident. Drop the mic. This ain't by accident. We talk, that we're talking to the premier brother about being authentic. <laughs> it's okay. And, you know, and to build upon everything that you just said, right? A part of the curiosity for me, especially, we know that if you're black, you're gay, you're Asian, this last two years has been hell. Yeah. With all the tokenism, the trauma, the yes. stress, all that shit that's been going yes. on. And the thing that that always confounds us is like we deal with all these white folk in our jobs and they have been struggling, really struggling yeah. on how to deal with all this shit. Right. So especially in your role as a chief HR officer, how have you dealt with this and helped your white colleagues kind of get through all of this and understand what's really going on. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give it to y'all real with my own intersectionality, you know, <laughs> it is hard for me to not see the dynamic, no matter what space I'm in, no matter who I'm with. And again, you become a student of people and you learn behavior, you learn patterns and you learn what uh, people are open to and what they're not. And I would say I took the position that I was not going to be the teacher. Okay. So look, I get it. Diversity, equity, inclusion has always been important. Just trying to make a trend out of it. That's all good and great, but I'm not going to be the teacher. I'm not going to be the teacher. So if you want to have a conversation about it, then we can have a conversation about it, but don't expect me to educate you as the oppressor on why I feel oppressed. I'm not doing that. That would be dishonorable to me. And you certainly wouldn't appreciate, you know, nobody receiving that would appreciate it. The way that I dealt with white people is I tried to be empathetic and I tried to imagine what it would be like if the shoe were on the other foot. I see why, you know, we know that this is a racist country. It always has been and it probably always will be. Some brother said the other day on TV, it's about how you navigate that. I'm going to say that's not all that it's about, but that is certainly one thing. And so, you know, deciding what my boundaries were. First of all, I stepped back. Let me go there. So, you know, when George Floyd happened, I was mortified. Like as a brother watching that in the morning news, Mm -hmm. I was mortified Mm -hmm. and I was saddened and I felt wounded and I went into a cocoon for a week. Okay. But because I'm a boss, I still showed up for work. Yep. Like a bunch of other brothers and sisters. And let me tell you what we got as a result of that. We got a bunch showing up asking us, why is DE&I important? What is the point of equitable outcomes? Wait, why do we have to pay more attention to this group of underrepresented folks versus this one? We got women. Like, you know, like that's sort of the world that I was living in, in in big tech. And I was in big tech, you know. So it's just, um, yeah, you know, 
I think just sort of listening to white people, anyone, and trying to understand where they're coming from, but then having my own boundaries about what, how far I'm willing to go to re-traumatize myself in order to help you gain some knowledge, but not going to do it. It don't even sound like a good idea for me. So I just don't engage with that, right? But hey, definitely tell you to go to your Google machine, type in structural racism. I'm sure you'll get a hit. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, like Gary, bro, you know, we love you. You know, you you a family, you know, you, you in charge of bringing like the, the potato salad, the stuffing, absent the raisins, you know, like you're the, you're the brother that's responsible for all of that. But, you know, I think people sometimes think that we're we're making this type of stuff up, you know, like we're just over dramatizing it and this, that, and the other. But this is the part of our, our show where we start to hit people with the receipts, right? Like we're not making this stuff up. So. Right. We're going to hit y'all with some receipts. So today we'll share some receipts on why being your authentic self is important to your mental health and your career progression. Mm-hmm. So Keith, hit us with that first receipt for the day. Yeah, yeah. This first receipt is good. And according to research by Northwestern University professor Miriam Kuchatki, people are more likely to engage in unethical behavior when they separate their personal and business lives, mm-hmm. right? Yep. My brother just talked about that, right? You can't separate them at the end of the day. Yeah. And Kuchaki said, and her colleagues found that priming individuals to see their work and home identities as distinct led them to harbor more feelings of inauthenticity and participants who separated our identities cheated significantly more in a coin toss game than those who were primed to integrate their identities. Just something as simple as tossing a coin. Mm -hmm. They also queried 150 actual employee manager pairs and found that when employees reported feeling like their different identities were not integrated, they were more frequently caught by their bosses engaging in bad behaviors like fudging expense reports, even mistreating coworkers. I mean, look, that's a receipt. And again, we talk about it. If it was, I know we're talking to our brother Gary and we're talking about our own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. But if not for these receipts, which are fact, you know, which are fact, we wouldn't have nothing to talk about. You know what I'm saying? Like, because the facts we're talking, right? So look, receipt number two a recent study by Deloitte showed that more than half of us cover up some part of our identity to fit in at work, right? Like, we ain't telling the whole truth, okay? This is especially acute for underrepresented employees where 83% of LGBTQ plus employees, 79% of black employees, 67% women of color, and 63% of Latinx employees report hiding part of their identity. Man, that's damn near everybody. That's you know a- what I'm saying? That's damn near everybody. Say, that's, everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's damn near everybody because we know it's only a small percentage of people in the C-suite and the right. executive roles. Everybody doing the work don't look like them. Right. Right. Okay. Right. So conversely, 45% of white men report hiding part of their identity 
which is also pretty doggone high. Key. It's high, but I'm just wondering what they covering up. What do you think, Gary? What are they covering up? They like to eat, uh, chop off people's head and eat them. Yeah, eat yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, so, who was that? Jeffrey Dahmer? Wasn't he? White? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So crazy. It's so I crazy. I should not go to the worst among them. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But, but it's some crazy. Yeah, it's some crazy. It's some crazy. <laughs> so receipt number three, a long heralded study by Kirk Snyder found in organizations and teams working under the direct leadership of out gay executives, employees care more about their work. They feel more personally connected to the success of the organization and demonstrate a deeper commitment to professional excellence. In fact, gay executives produce 35 to 60% higher levels of engagement, satisfaction, and morale compared to their straight white male colleagues. And in organizations like Out and Equal provide programming and support to build diverse LGBTQ plus leadership pipelines. Boom. There you go. So, <laughs> so we got the, the receipts mm -hmm. out there. So we're mm -hmm. not making this up. Right. We talk about it, right? right? We didn't talk about how we feel. <laughs> we didn't give you some, some receipts to be able to kind of validate or verify how we feel, what we feel. But what we want to do now is just kind of navigate into the secrets, right? Mm -hmm. Because now we done talked about what the problem is, what mm -hmm. exists. We want to now start talking about or navigate into how to solve mm -hmm. things, okay? Right. So as our special guest, we will hand the mic over to our brother Gary today to drop some science, okay? Gary, why don't you share your secrets on how we can all be our authentic selves at work and not wreck our careers? So we're going to hand the mic over to you, brother. Yeah. So, wow. Well, you know, as somebody who's tripped and fallen through this, <laughs> you know, I still got the bruises. I touch them sometimes. They still hurt. But, you know, again, if you're paying attention you can see not only how you're showing up in that moment, you can pay attention to what you're doing, how you're showing up, and it can then give you enough information about what the effect is that you're having on other people, right? Is mm -hmm. that positive? Is that negative? If you're paying attention, a lot of people walk around like they're asleep, you know? Unaware, unaware. They're completely unaware. Like, I get you want to be you, and by all means, be you. But do not let you being you disrespect, feel as though you're entitled or, you know, privileged enough to disrespect somebody else. Like that, for me, I would say stay away from, stay away from that. And, mm -hmm. and Gary, to that point, it's like, don't let you being you keep you from yeah. giving your goddamn money. Yeah. We're talking That's about generational right. wealth. That We're is the, right. So, oh so it's like, God. you want to keep on being you at the cost of like your family, like, yeah. you know, at the cost of yeah. like all of this stuff. Like, this is yeah. why we do what we do. Yeah, that's right. So here, let me let me go back to your question, because I, I'm starting to mutter the words. You know, I can talk in circles in a minute. Uh, but look, know thyself. OK, that's what I'm trying to bring across is know who you are and you can then observe over time what your impact is on people, what your effect is on people. The other is, I would say you hear it all the time and it's hard to do. Let's own that is be open to feedback. Yeah, I get it. Sometimes people may say shit that you don't want to hear, but is there any truth in it? My mama taught me this. She said, Gary, just because somebody says something to you, you don't have to absorb that into your soul, right? Mm. And when you start thinking about that, I would say, take the feedback. It shouldn't be scary. Take the feedback. You can either live it or you can let it go. You can decide to rip it up in shreds over time, whatever. 
That's but right. you got to receive it first gotta to receive. have those options. Yeah, and that gives you a data point regardless. Yeah, it's a data point. Absolutely. So be open to the feedback, y'all. I would say this is a, a, another one I think that, you know, depending on who you are and where you come from is, is probably in there somewhere. It, it certainly is for me. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, for me as a brother, as a gay man, as somebody who can get real Southern and real country real fast, y'all, uh, you know, I always have to be mindful of how I'm going to show up. I'm a big black dude. You know, we know what the research says about how what people think uh, we are. Mm-hmm. But don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid yeah. to fail. Yeah. Because in those failures and me being laid off twice and fired two times, you know, I learned. I learned at home when I would when the unemployment ran out. I learned when, uh, you know, I was going on all these interviews and people were saying, no, no, you're not good enough to take this job. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was painful, but I had to sit with that feedback and I had to listen. I had to be open to it. And then I had to go out and try. I had to go out and try to execute on what I had learned. And that took a courage, which is where I get to don't be afraid to fail, because there is a lot of wisdom that comes in the falling. Mm-hmm. And it's as cliche mm-hmm. as hell, but it is also very true. What matters is what you do after you fall. Yes, yes. Gary, that was unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I, totally did. I felt like I was in church. I felt like I was like, <laughs> my, <laughs> my church. My like, church, no, back, no, church. Church. Back in North Carolina. Back in North Carolina. We know this church. When he was saying it, I was I wanted to say, take your time. Take your time. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Take your time. Well, take your, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take slow, your time. Slow down. <laughs> yeah, take your time. But <laughs> so, well, we really appreciate you being with us today because you kept it one. 100. 100. And if you want to find more of what we were talking about today, the secrets, the receipts, go to our website, secrets.com. We got in our show notes, we got all the information for you so you can hear some more about how to be your authentic self. And look, Gary, I want to add my personal thanks and gratitude to you as well. And I credit you with giving me that push to go after this CHRO that I just landed and to be my authentic self in the process. I mean, that conversation that we had, we didn't talk very long, but man, you kept it real with me. You know what I'm saying? So I credit that conversation. I also credit a conversation I had with Marcy DeWalt when she says, well, honey, if you stay longer, like what is it actually going to prove? You know, like you might as well, you might as well get on that's out real. there. That's a real, that's yeah. a real. She said, you might as well get on out there and see what's gonna happen. You know what yep. I'm saying? So, so, but look, I think that you all giving me that courage to be my authentic self, you know, in the process really helped. And I really want to appreciate or show appreciation for our secrets supporters out there because. What we built is all because of you, you know, so I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners and fans and you made all this possible. Like at the end of the day, we told y'all that season three would not disappoint. And we know that our brother in this struggle, our board of director cat, you know, like our village, you know, leader, you know, would not disappoint. So we want to make sure that y'all, if y'all like what you heard today, just go out there and write a review on Apple Check us out on LinkedIn and Patreon. Just do your due to let us know that you appreciate what we're giving to you. Because again, we told you we was going to bring you that fire and we did that today. Absolutely. And Rick and I always about helping y'all 
get what you deserve at the end of the day. This is what this is all about. Get your bread, get your coin, start to build that generational wealth. That's what we're about. That's why we have coaching services and all the other things that we do. And to date, we have helped people get over a million dollars in total compensation increases in the one year that we've been doing secrets. We got the receipts. Nice. So yeah. We got the receipts. Yeah. And again, you can spend some of that increase on some secret merchandise. <laughs> it's a secret <laughs> merchandise, y'all. <laughs> so go to that website and buy some merchandise. We appreciate y'all. And again, we want to thank Gary for bringing some gems today because this was amazing. Amazing. And it was yeah. great having you on today, Gary. I appreciate you, brothers. It's always a good time to be with you guys. Thank you for having me on the show. It was a lot of fun. Don't let my mother hear any of it. Okay? <laughs> don't, let my, don't let my mama hear none of it. Uh, but no, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, guys. Uh, anytime. I'm happy to come back. Cool. So look, look, Gary, we appreciate you, brother. Like I said, we knew you wouldn't disappoint, and we're gonna make your mama be proud. That's we right. Gonna, <laughs> look, look, look. We so, gonna cut out them MS. Yeah. <laughs> and, and some of this stuff is gonna be only for our Patreon listeners, okay? Our paying guests. Yeah, yeah, by all means, by all means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our paying guests get to hear the unadulterated conversation. But you know, the one thing that we've definitely been authentic about since day one is our love for a good cocktail. And I have absolutely no ice left in this cup right now. So, but before we go fill these cups back up, we want to remind you to get that doggone vaccine or the booster, okay? I think you've done enough of your yes. home, research, home research, okay? <laughs> go ahead and get that stuff done because at the end of the day, you're about to be on exactly. unvaccinated island if you don't do That's it. Right. You, you don't have no job. <laughs> you don't have no damn exactly. job if you so don't get it, that vaccine. So if you haven't already <laughs> done that, go ahead and take care of that. And I just want to make sure that everybody understands we super, super, super appreciate all of our Secrets listeners and this village continuing to grow. And remember, when we share, you transform. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day. We out. Peace. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed yet another gem from KP and PR. In fact, one listener said that Secrets makes me smarter every time I listen, and we hope you agree. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out on the web at www.secrets.com. That's www.c-crets.com to get more information about our secret services. Until next time, cheers! <laughs>